Hello and welcome to Radio, uh, a podcast by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Uh, the radio is produced by the Entrepreneurs Organization in South Africa, and we're here to share some of those stories from those amazing entrepreneurial journeys that you hear at all the EO events you attend. I'm sitting here today with Kim Whitaker, who is the CEO slash MD of Once Travel. Hello, Kim. Hi. And my name's Ross Drex. I'll be hosting you today. So, Kim, I think these things always start easier if you give us your elevator pitch of what your business is and what you do. Right. Well, Once Travel started five years ago. It's a lifestyle travel brand for millennials and uh, young at heart travelers. We have two hotels, one in Cape Town, one in Johannesburg, and we create once in a lifetime travel experiences for young people. So, so we create uh, and curate experiences that have got to do with everything local and authentic in an area. So if you think back to that one time that you were traveling in Barcelona and you bumped into a local and they shared their tips on like their favorite place to have a beer, get some tuppers, and then next thing you know, it's 9 a.m. in the morning, you've been dancing the whole night. Those are the kind of experiences that we carry. You have a tattoo that you can't remember. Exactly, or nose piercing, like in my case, I still can't remember how I got this thing. Um, yeah, so those are the kind of experiences that we curate. Um, we've started in Cape Town, uh, moved on to Johannesburg, and we're looking to uh, open up locations throughout Africa. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, travel, like as an outsider to the industry, it seems very, very sexy um, and very, very exciting. Is, is that true or um, oh, it's just the glass? I mean, the grass is always greener on the other side. I mean, it's definitely my reason for doing it. Okay. Um, so I was like a 23-year-old traveler and I was teaching English in South America and I loved it. And meeting people and kind of just being myself away from the family and away from the confines of growing up was the place that I felt happiest. And um, I came back to my hometown of Cape Town. I was like, why are not more people doing this here? I want to carry on meeting young people, but I wouldn't mind actually settling down a little bit. And so that's where the idea of starting a hostel concept uh, came about. Um, fast forward a few years, um, that was my first hostel. It was quite a small little backpackers and obs in Cape Town. Um, and really, I think it's that passion of meeting people and creating a space where people can interact. What I love the most about once is that when you walk in the door, you get this feeling like people from all walks of life are integrating and having conversations and learning about each other. And for me, that is the driving force. And I'd say that for my, for my team as well, um, curating moments and spaces where someone from Soweto can have a beer with someone from Belgium and talk about, um, you know, life and politics and, and, um, and things that they're passionate about. Uh, I'm super proud of that. So creating spaces where people from different walks of life can just interact and belong. Can you give, I mean, I love some of the thoughts in there. Um, can you give some examples of how you curate those experiences? Like what have you done in the space and in the messaging that kind of allows people to, to integrate like that? Because I've definitely stayed at some places where you almost eat in the restaurants and then go back to the place that you, you're sleeping and you sleep and if you're not sleeping, you disappear and you go out into the world and, and you're not really engaging with the people in your yeah. in your hotel, for want of a better word. Yeah, so, I mean, 
that is really curating experiences in-house is really what sets us aside. So we call ourselves a hybrid accommodation model, which is somewhere between a hotel and a hostel. And the things that I like about our hotel is that it's got a good location, it's clean, it's safe, but usually it's pretty boring. So you're like that one creepy guy at the bar and everyone else is like on a business trip and you can't really meet people. At a hostel, on the other hand, it's complete, can get like completely wild, fun, crazy, but... Everyone's smoking hash. And yeah, <laughs> and like you're not really sure when last the bed was changed or whatever. That's the general perception of like the 70s backpacker style. And so what we'll do, I mean, I'll talk you through an experience. When you walk through the front door with your, with your bags, um, there'll be someone from Brazil welcoming you, being like, hey, how's it? Um, my name's Douglas. I'm from Brazil. I'm the CEO. And what CEO means in that context is chief entertainment officer and there, or chief experience officer. And they're there to make sure that the guests are having a rad time, that they're integrating, that they're mingling. Then he'll say, oh, while you're checking in, let me chat to you about what's happening this week. So there's a board there that's got all the activities planned out for the week. Today's Monday, so this evening there might be like a poetry reading or a Bramfontein um, uh, street art walk. Or, for example, tomorrow in both cities we have no power hours. So you get a free drink, you come, you socialize. The only rule is you're not allowed to have your phone or any kind of device. So you have to disconnect and connect with people and have real conversation. Um, so every day there's something like that that you can join in. And uh, solo travelers always do. So like last night we had an event called Dine With where... Um, a bunch of travelers got together and we had um, a young guy from Soweto cooking like traditional South African food and then there was wine and there was a bit of a conversation about music and it's very um, sort of laid back and relaxed. But it's a way to get to know people. So my Australian colleague came back last night and she said, oh, I met someone from Germany who's traveling here. She's traveled all the way through Africa and then you might meet someone who's in Joburg on business. Um, but yeah, those kind of, uh, we create like opportunities for young people to interact. I like that. So you're almost fulfilling the role of a host. Like if you would invite a group of people over to your house, you're kind of setting that tone yeah. and making it easy for people to just join in as opposed to having to create it from the, the ground up. Yeah, and I think that is exactly where it came from because when I started my first hostel, I was that person. Um, so I was like up at six in the morning baking muffins, Get, like waking all the guests up, giving them breakfast, talking about what they could do for the day, sending them out on a tour, then running the hostel during the day, then going partying with them at night um, to like the best places where my friend was DJing at a little bar or whatever. And so how do you carry that on when you don't have 30 beds anymore, but we've now got 300 beds and I can't, like one single person cannot be that host. And also having one person as a host is kind of one dimensional. Yes. Whereas our team is so diverse and so um, speak, like, I think we speak like 15 languages or more um, and different ages, different nationalities and getting to know those different people is also part of the experience. Now tell me, so, so it seems like people are quite key to all of this. How do you, how do you make sure you've got the right people running this thing? Because if you say you're putting all of these CEOs front and center, they become the face of your, your company. How do you make sure they're the right people? And that they know what they, you know, that they understand what they need to do. And how do you keep that kind of experience consistent is the wrong word. But how do you keep the, 
the level of that experience consistent. Yeah. So we have a like a program. So they only stay, the CEOs only stay for about three months. Um, some of them are local, some of them are traveling and they're, they're, they're just coming for like three months to maybe oh, wow. improve their English or um, volunteer or do whatever. And um, they, we have quite a strong program. So we, we have an induction program of like a week, uh, two weeks if they're, if they're not catching on, but it's normally a week. Um, so we, yeah, we make sure that they know the, the property, first of all, like, you know, like the back of their hand. Then we make sure that they know the area, the neighborhood. And I guess curious, like, you know, them being curious is key. So you know, we, we send them on a, on a um, scavenger hunt. They need to bring back like five cups of coffee from local roast, um, coffee roasters where like the actual roastery is oh, in that's the house. That's so cool. So you like, you force them to engage with the area in your induction. Yes. That's brilliant. Yeah. So then we have to go, okay, I want to have, and then I want to have five different restaurants, but they can't be chain restaurants. They have to be restaurants where the owner's actually there serving. And I want you to tell me what's the owner's name, like how long have they been there? Why did they start this little Turkish uh, bakery in Bramfontein? Um, so, yeah, so that's how we, we do our induction. And really, I mean, our, on, our, our application, our onboarding process is pretty rigorous. Um, we've got a great team in our head office that have helped me uh, build that whole process. Um, and yeah, we kind of, I think that once you're in a flow of having good people, you kind of attract good people. And yeah. so we just get CVs and like personal messages all the time. We get people messaging us on Facebook like, hey, my friend works there. I really want to come work. It's um, such an interesting labor model. You're taking people on for a very short period of time and yeah. you're screening them really well, and then they actually become your kind of recruitment marketing that they're now running around the world telling everyone how amazing it is to go and work at this yeah. at this company. No, it works really well. Um, I think the day, probably about 2015, I realized with young people, like you can't, you can't keep them uh, forever. So I did, a, I did a talk on millennials and like millennial teams, and for, in my mind, Employers think of the employee and employer relationship as a marriage. Mm. In my mind, it's like a bay. You know, you're my bay. And right now, so the bay is before anyone else, or something like that. And um, and that's the way that that I conceptualize it. Like we're like, you know, if we've got them for three months, amazing. And then there's going to be something new and exciting. And um, um, yeah, and we do have our core team, so they stay on for longer. But also. Not that long, maybe 18 months or two years, which is which is. I mean, normal. it took me a while to catch on there. I was picturing the metaphors. It's like, okay, so you're a boat and you're in the bay. No, bay. And you're like, as in your, no. your boyfriend <laughs> slash girlfriend. So you know, like the, interest, yeah. you know that like the, everyone's wearing like a cap that says bay, like yeah. be my bay, you know, where you're not committing to like an actual relationship. You're kind of saying, well, you're the best right now that there is. Which, um, which I think is a good analogy to how young people view employment. Um, and I like that you don't resist that. You just sort of lean into it and kind of embrace it and turn it into your yeah your differentiator. So yeah. is there always someone different at that front desk if I had to walk in off, I think it's Cliff Street? Cliff next Street? Yes, Cliff Street, yeah. Cliff Street. Sorry, Cliff, not yeah. Cliff. 
Cliff, Cliff, yeah. whatever. We don't judge. <laughs> as long <laughs> as you can do. find us. As long as, as long as you can find us, it's cool. Yeah, so there'll always be someone different. There'll be a familiar face. So, I mean, our, our core team, um, some of them have been there for like three years, four years. Um, they, so there's always like a duty manager who you might remember from the last time, but there'll always be someone new. So um, maybe someone from Germany or someone, um, we've actually started our own internship program where we're training up South African women. So at the moment, there are five of them on site in Cape Town. Um, so you'll meet them as well, but they probably won't be here in six months because they'll be off like training in a different place. Yeah. That's exciting. Hmm. And now tell me, this model, you've got this, I mean, if you haven't been to once in Cape Town, I actually haven't been to the one in Johannesburg, which is strange because I live here. Um, but you've got the Yours Truly Bar mm-hmm. restaurant downstairs and the, the backpackers kind of on the, or the hotel on the other floors. Was that deliberate or did that happen kind of accidentally? Are those two tied together? Yeah, no. So they are our in-house bar in Delhi. So we, when we opened, we had this space and we had to make a decision as to whether we wanted to take it on ourselves or whether we wanted to get a partner on board and let them run it. So we decided to do that so that we got someone who is really good at like beer and bread and sandwiches and coffee. And um, yeah, it's worked out really nicely. So where we specialize in the beds, uh, yours truly, for example, specializes in making the bar and restaurant a really, really cool space. That is super interesting because I've been there many times, but I've never stayed at your at your hostel. So I've probably engaged with a whole bunch of your guests. Yeah. Just because I went there for, for a drink because I actually made quite a nice bar. Yeah, and I think that is what the magic is, is finding that synergy between like locals and foreigners and sometimes you won't even you might not have like a full-on conversation or even sit down and have a drink with a foreigner because you you know if you're local you're going there to meet friends let's say but just that energy of going into a space where like everyone looks different and speaks differently and there's just like it creates a really cool synergy so I think that the two complement each other so well um, the hostel space wouldn't be as fun if there weren't as many locals. And I think that the locals initially also came there because there are lots of foreign accents. In the very first, in the two years, we used to host loads of models. We did like long-term model accommodation. So you'd hear guys being like, hey man, I'm in Cliff Street, you've got to come to that model place. Like there are all these cool like models everywhere. So you um, actually gave homes to all the starving models in Cape Town so yeah. they could live in your accommodation as marketing. Yeah, no, well, that's the thing. I saw a review once, like, this place is kind of superficial. They pay models to live here. And I was like, we don't pay models to live here. Like, they're, <laughs> they're, they're paying guests. They're regular guests. Um, so, yeah, no, we, in fact, don't pay them. It was just a nice added benefit. So, yeah, it's quite intimidating working there when you've got all these models coming in, I must say. We stayed at a hotel in New York called the Soho Grand. Mm. And their whole thing is that everyone everyone in there is a New York local and they know everything that's going down in the area. Mm-hmm. But they're also all models. So even the person who comes to like change your, your sheets is a model. And it does become a little bit intimidating over time when you've been surrounded by all of these people that are just well above average looking and then you start to feel worse and worse about yourself um yeah no I mean I did feel like I mean some of them are like avatars you know they like walk through this like ethereal slow motion walk and they're like two meters tall 
And um, yeah, no, it is, it is definitely quite so you've, a different. You've abandoned this practice now. Mm. Are you no longer a safe haven for the models? Uh, I think it's just like our, our, our business model changed. So in the beginning, our third floor used to be long term. And then as the as we sort of gained momentum after two years, we, we changed that into into normal accommodation. Yeah. And let's talk a bit about your brand. I mean, I think you've built quite a good brand. Um, you know, if, if I were to go look at your sites, it's even appealing. I'm like, maybe I'll go and stay there. Um, and that's quite an interesting decision you've made to almost make. It's got quite a premium feel to it. So was that like a deliberate thing? Or, I mean, how did you end up? creating this what was the process of getting there so when I came back from South America and I said I wanted to start a hostel my parents were like oh that's nice dear you've got to study marketing so that you know how to get people into your hostel and so I went and I studied at red and yellow for a year um, and so I kind of I, I've always enjoyed um, marketing advertising communications and um, interestingly enough, only 5% of hostels or, or youth hotel brands around the world are branded, um, like with an actual brand look and feel and um, logo and things like that. So for me, it was a no-brainer. Um, and yeah, I guess it's, it's changed and evolved over the years uh, to what it is today. Obviously, in the beginning, we just started off with Once in Cape Town as a property on its own. And then as people were coming to stay with us and they said, oh, I'm going to um, Joburg or I'm going to the next stop, do you have another one of these? Because um, we'd like to stay in the next destination. And so once in Cape Town then had a sister, which became once in Joburg. And now on our website, which is once.travel, you'll see that um, what we really focus on is the experience. Mm. So the why. So yeah, okay, providing a bed with white linen is no longer really enough. You know, why do people want to come to South Africa in the first place? Why does someone want to go to Joburg in the first place or Cape Town? Um, and so curating those experiences under the once brand uh, is what we is what's central to, our, to us at the moment. So in terms of the actual brand, um, it was conceptualized by a group of young uh, travelers. Um, when I joined the team, they had the, the original team of once wanted to call it Clock In, and I didn't like that name at all. And I was like, I think it's, I just don't like it. I can't tell you why, but I just feel like branding wise, it reminds me of going to work. Yeah. You know, and I clock in. That's where my head machine. went first. Yeah. yeah. And um, so I said, let's do a focus group. So we did a focus group and a bunch of travelers came around and we, and we conceptualized 72 names on a wall. Um, in one session. In one session. It was quite, um, yeah, it was, it was actually amazing. So there were 12 people that each came up with six names. We put them on the wall. We threw in clock in. They were like, no, take it off. It's not good. It's not good. It reminds us of going to work. So that, so that um, name went. And basically, one of the travelers from Canada came up with once. And he was like, it reminds me of telling a story. So uh, once I was in Cape Town and I climbed up Table Mountain and I met this like awesome guy. And then we ended up traveling around the whole of South Africa together. And so that's how it started. And it's all about telling stories. And that one time that, uh, that you did something cool, that memorable experience. Um, yeah. I love that idea that you've tapped into 
almost the essence of what it is to travel is to gather these sort of life stories and these life things that you can share with people and you've built your brand around that and I think to a certain degree you've also built your hiring practices around that too which is quite interesting. Um, now at Ignite, now a couple of months ago you shared a competition that you won. Um, do you want to share a little bit more about that project and, and how that ties into the whole once saga? Yeah, so I guess um, to go to tell the whole story, um, a few years ago I started working on our internal brand and what it means to be a staff member at once and how we attract and re, you know and, and what our what our whole model is. And similarly, I've noticed that colleagues in the industry, myself included, have moments where we're like, we can't find anyone that is fit like that is suitable to work um, in our in our companies so um, there's just no one who who understands travel and tourism and I just can't find anyone and then I went to a talk um, earlier in 2017 and I heard a statistic that 67% of the youth in South Africa are, un are unemployed and around the same time I was having these conversations about me being able to find unable to find people and I just thought, like, this is a crazy, like, how can there be such a huge gap? There's 67% of our population, our youth population is unemployed. And yet I'm looking for youthful people and how come I can't find them and why? What's the gap here? So I started researching that. Um, the more young people I meet, the more sort of time I give to conversations, I realize, hang on, there are lots of good people out there. But obviously, they've been disadvantaged by our past in South Africa. And somehow, they're not seeing tourism as a viable career choice. They don't have the resources to learn anything in, in forms of training. And, um, and they just, they, they don't have internet. So they can't even find the ads that I'm putting out there, um, let alone get, get like bus fare to come to an interview. So I, I sort of started understanding that whole problem a little bit more. Um, then I got an email through like an email newsletter and I was about to go on holiday. I was about to delete it and I read it and I was like, are you a travel, uh, are you working in travel and tourism and are you a change maker? Because there's this grant funding you can apply for. And I was like, right, I think I'm just going to do it. I'm going to start this tourism school. So we put together a website, like made, sent all applications to start an NPO, which is actually fairly easy. Um, I had to make a one minute video. I like used my phone to make this video and then sent it off. And then I went on holiday and like held my thumbs. And literally a few weeks later, I got a phone call. Yeah, you've been sick. You know, you've got, you've got round, you've got through to the first round. We're going to want to do a, a Skype interview. Long story short, a few months later, I was in Amsterdam, um, at the booking.com head office and they had, um, given us 150,000 150, euros to start this tourism school. Oh, wow. So we called it Quela. Quela in Osa uh, means to climb. And the whole thing is that it's a journey and we and it's not easy. And it's this like physical action of climbing out of um, a bad situation into something better. And our whole, our whole theory of change is that skills training is one part of it. So we've got a a three-month skills training component. But really what I think the differentiator is in our program is that we do a three-week road trip around South Africa. So 
literally from Cape Town to Johannesburg on an overland truck or um, a minibus. And we go and show these young women, this year we had 20 of them, um, what it means to be a tourist in South Africa. So if you've grown up in Kailicha Township, you've got three kids, you've never had a job, um, you, which, is, which is a majority of the women on our program, um, you, you, know, you get accepted to Quela, we get a passport, so we went to, to uh, Home Affairs, got a passport, embark on this three-week road trip after doing the, the theory. We took them bungee jumping. We interacted with these amazing, huge horses um, that are terrifying, but you learn how to get over your fear and eventually ride them. They're called Petron, um horses, and they're in Otaniqua. And then we went like surfing and surfing. We went on a 15 kilometer hike through the Transkei, made bread, planted trees, did an inner city walk of Durban. Then we left South Africa and went into Swaziland and showed them like a whole different country. Went back up, did Kruger. So two days in the Kruger, going on game drives, seeing animals, coming into Joburg. We went and took them up Ponte Tower, Constitution Hill, Soweto, and then took the train back down to Cape Town. So showing someone who's grown up in Kailiche, like what a beautiful country we live in and how incredible it is and how, and, and just giving them an understanding of what tourism is in the first place, for me was the, the, the that turning point. And that's enough to like get out of bed every morning, go to work excited. Mm. Um, you I mean, know, it sounds like a, life, a life-changing experience that you'll never, well, never forget. I hope, you know, that's, that's our hope. So we are now six months in. Um, our current cohort is doing their internships with, with, um, with Cape Town businesses at the moment. And five of those are the ones you were talking about earlier? Five are at once in Cape okay. Town. It's quite a, cause, because we have a head office and the actual hostel, we, we've split them. Um, but others are at other youth travel um, companies. So they're, they're not all for, for, our, own, um, for our own company. Most of them are actually placed at uh, companies like um, Marine Dynamics, which is a whale watching and, and shark cage diving company, Stoked Surf School, which does surfing, um, a bunch of other hostels around Cape Town. So, yeah, they're, they're kind of dispersed around the, the youth travel industry. And um, our aim is that by March next year, they're all employed. And why, why are you doing this? Um, I think that I just have realized how, like that, that whole stat of youth unemployment, like totally threw me. And I think that creating hope and employment for young people is super important. I, I wanna raise my family here. I wanna, I've got two young kids and I want them to have a future in South Africa. So a way that I can have some sort of control over that is by creating opportunity where I can. So if I can, uh, you know, create 20 jobs or if I include ones like 100 jobs, 200 jobs um, that are meaningful to young people, okay, they might not be the be all and the end all, but they'll, but there'll be jobs that give young people hope that like working can be fun mm. and, that, and that feeling of independence. Like I remember getting my first paycheck and I was working in some dodgy bar in Austria. And like that feeling of having like my own money and being independent was so cool. And I just feel like, yeah, I wanna do what I can to make, to make South Africa great because I wanna stay here. 
So as I, as I um, insinuated before, I'm actually born in Germany. So uh, I have a German passport. and um, So you could jump ship quite easily. And it's the last thing I want to do. Like, and maybe it's because I have a German passport, but I really feel strongly about staying in South Africa. I think it's a beautiful country and the people here are, are amazing. But um, yeah, I think that employment and just in really independent entrepreneurship, I think a lot of the women that we have gone through our program will be entrepreneurs. Like... They, they're doing the employment thing, but you can see their brains are like starting to tick on how they can start their own business, which yes. is super exciting. So as that becomes very interesting because you, you're almost affecting change to the culture. So you're changing them, you're changing the way they see the world, you're giving them skills and experience and opening their mind up. And now imagine you're Kim, you know, from Germany living in South Africa, curating travel experiences. Now, what do the travel experiences look like out of Kailiche? Like, what is the, you know, what is their take on what travel looks like from their context? Could be such an amazing different lens to look at the country yeah. sort of through. Yeah, totally. And, um, you know, what is amazing is when you see that interaction, like when you see a a French person speaking to someone from South Africa, they're leaning in, they're intrigued, they want to know what life has been like growing up. And for that conversation, that young person from South Africa is completely in control and so proud of being South African because this person has come from France all the way here to find out about what it is like to be a young South African. Like, in general, that's why young people are traveling because they want the number one reason of a survey of like, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of young people globally for traveling for young people is to experience different cultures. And so when a young person's coming to South Africa and they can meet another young person who's, who's, who's grown up here, for that half an hour, that South African person is completely in control and proud of being South African, which is for me like just the coolest thing to watch. You know, when we're all kind of doubting, like, are we going to immigrate to Australia? Or um, like, you know, what's happening with politics? Oh, my gosh. And then when you hear young people being proud to be South African, it's like, yeah. Shift, it shifts your perspective. It shifts everything. And it just makes, it makes so much possibility for the future that makes me excited. No, I mean, this is amazing. We're almost out of time. But I'd just like to point out, I mean, it, it seems like you've designed a kind of purpose-driven organization and you've kind of bolting on these other intern programs and things that are kind of driving towards that purpose. Was that a deliberate, was it a deliberate thing or did you sort of, did you end up here by making a series of gut decisions um, to end up in the space where you're affecting, you're changing people's lives, you, you're running a successful business, you're supporting your family, but all mm. from a, a much, uh, I don't know, altruistic is the wrong word, but a, like a purpose-driven space or something that feeds you regularly? Yeah, it's interesting. I think that um, my business partner and investor, Johan, um, has also been pretty instrumental in that, in the way that the business is going. He, yeah, he's got five kids. So he's also like super, he's a, he's a family guy, lots of, you know, a very much... Um, into that way of doing a business where you're supporting people and you care about them and you and you make sure that they are happy and content 
And then with the traveler, I've always realized that you know, that is our, that's our like unique selling point is that we can do business sustainably and that it feels good to arrive at a place and know that your money is being put in a good place. So it's not like some international hotel brand that's paying their staff minimum wage and like the staff hate working there. It's actually works for our model as well because the staff, the, you know, the way the guest sees the staff and they see, they, they feel good when they're there. And it's this perpetual cycle of like feeling good. Um, and because we started off small and grew, and I guess I've been at the center of everything, the way that we do business has stayed pretty consistent. So we did our fair trade accreditation last year, which was pretty interesting because we had some uh, accountant from Joburg flying down and audit our business according to fair trade principles. You know, it's like going through files and procedures and stuff. And we actually aced it. So we got like 100% pass rate, which was the first time. And um, what was so cool about that process is that I actually didn't do it. I was on maternity leave. So my team did it. And that for me was like a turning point where I felt, I think as an entrepreneur, you sometimes have got this feeling, I certainly have got this feeling like, what happens if I just stepped away? Like, would it just collapse? You know, is there so, like, is it, am I driving the engine? The temple of Kim. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Which is such a fallacy. Like, actually, life will carry on. And, um, and the people in our team are amazing and they keep it together. And this has now become yeah, in the beginning it was a Kim thing, but now it's just so much more, which is cool. Ah, uh, so that's my that's my long, quite long answer to your short question. Long answer. <laughs> that's lovely. I mean, thank you very much for sharing how you've grown this business. I love that idea of organically growing and finding people to buy into the dream and drive it forward. And it seems like you reach that point where people are now pushing, you know, so it's not just you're not pulling them, they're also pushing. So you're now in a, in a sort of bigger team driving even more. Okay. So I think just to close it out, you've got Joburg, you've got Cape Town. What's, what's next? What can people right, maybe, well, maybe break some news here on the, on the podcast? Oh, wow. Well, so, I mean, we, we're, we're looking at different locations in uh, Southern Africa and Africa in general. So we're looking at a spot in Nairobi. Um, We're looking at uh, some collaborations in Namibia as well and around South Africa too. But really, I think in the next year, what you'll see is that once travel takes on a lot more experiences, and you should check out our our website, by the way. I'm I'm really proud of of um, of our offerings in Cape Town. Now we're about to launch a vintage shopping tour, for example. So you can go vintage shopping for half a day. And I think in the next year, what you'll see is a lot more local experiences throughout the African continent. So check it out. That's amazing. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, you've been listening to Radio, which is a podcast by the Entrepreneurs Organization in South Africa. Quick shout out to our sponsors, Bidvest McCarthy, Bidvest Car Hire, Exec Care, and 10XE. You guys are some of the most beautiful people on the planet right now. And if you were slightly younger, you could have been models living at once travel um, for very little money. Um, So thank you very much for helping us build this organization. If you'd like to hear a little bit more about the Entrepreneurs Organization, if you're running a business and you want some support, look at eonetwork.org. And just, I'd like to ask you if you've enjoyed this episode, if you could share it with one person who you think might learn something, enjoy something, we'd really appreciate that. 
So thank you very much and we'll catch you in the next one. Bye-bye. Cheers.